welcome to the emergency goalies. Uh, it was a relatively busy week. Pretty good for the Blackhawks. I'm going to kick it to Michael to do a little recap of this week's games. Sure. Uh, first up was last Thursday against the Islanders. The Blackhawks managed to come out with a point in this game uh, uh, in a 3-2 to two loss. It uh, was not a particularly good game, however, for the Blackhawks, as the Islanders dominated pretty much the entirety of the game. Uh, they outshot the Hawks 50-21, to 21, uh, but uh, a goal by Dominic Cahoon in the first and then a late goal from Patrick Kane in the third, um, uh, even the score up and... They got some great goaltending in the game, but uh, yeah. So you know, it's always good to sneak out a point when you can get get some not necessarily a goalie win, but a, a goalie point anyway. Uh, then uh, they had a couple of days off before uh, a Sunday matchup against the Penguins in Pittsburgh, and once again the Blackhawks. Uh, they, they, they got out a little slow in this game, I thought, uh, but they, uh, they recovered. Uh, they, had fought, they fell behind 2 to nothing uh, very early. It was very reminiscent of games from a couple of weeks ago uh, when the Hawks were really struggling. Uh, but they fought back. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit and Chris Kunitz got uh, um, some goals as well as Duncan Keith. So those were the first goals in the season for both Kunitz and Keith. So that was kind of an interesting little uh, second period for the for the Hawks. Um, yeah, and Kunitz kind of coming out of Kunitz kind of coming out of nowhere too. It's like when was the last time he even played in a game? Yeah, it's been a, at least a couple of weeks. It might even have been close to three weeks. Uh, but the 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 Hawks had uh, uh, brought in Drake Kajula in the. Uh, Brandon Manning trade, and then they decided to send down uh, Dylan Sakura and Andreas Martinson. So it, uh, you know, kind of uh, opens up the roster a little bit. Uh, so I would imagine we're actually going to see a little bit more of Kunitz. Um, probably him and Kajula will, it, my guess is we'll see those guys on the fourth line quite a bit, along with John Hayden uh, mixing in here and there. Um, at least for the time being, but yeah. So anyway, back to the game, Keith's goal made it three to three after the second period. And then in the third period, uh, the Hawks got a pair of goals from their top two centers. First Dylan Strome put one in and then, uh, Jonathan Taves, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the, the best aspects of this game was the Hawks power play. Officially they were only one for three, but, um, on the two power plays where they didn't uh, officially get a goal, they generated plenty of chances, and uh, in both instances, they they scored a goal uh, less than ten seconds after the penalty expired. So, for all intents and purposes, they were three three for three on the power play, and uh, you know that's that's really been a a, a a big reason why they've been able to stay in games of late, um, despite getting heavily outshot at. Um, in five-on-five play, uh, the Blackhawks have been converting a lot more power plays while also um, 
being a little tighter on the on the penalty kill and it, it's not sustainable i don't expect uh, their power play to remain quite as hot as it has been uh but at least for the time being it is allowing them to to uh, not just stay in games but even steal some points here and there uh, after the Penguins game, um, they traveled back to Chicago and took on the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Flames are one of the top teams in the West, and they played like it. Uh, they were uh, it was this was kind of like the Islanders game where um, the Blackhawks were getting pretty heavily outshot and outchanced in the game. Uh, but uh, again, they they. They stayed with it pretty good. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau was really a, a thorn in the ox side all night. He was generating chances left and right and uh, um, got a couple of goals for the Flames. But uh, Kane had a really big game. Uh, he had a really beautiful backhand goal from almost at the goal line that he deflected in off of uh, the Flames goalie, uh, the, the, uh, the back shoulder. And then uh, Alex DeBrinkett had a, a really nice goal on a setup uh, from Kane and Gustafson. And then uh, the Hawks did get a late goal from Brandon Sod after they had fallen behind four to two uh, in the third uh, to uh, give them a chance at the end. But uh, they ended up coming up just short. Uh, once again, the power play played pretty well. And their penalty kill was decent in this one. They did they did allow one power play goal to the Flames, but uh, the Flames had uh, um, plenty of late chances. And uh, um, Colin Delia played pretty well in this one, really kept the Hawks in it um, more than they probably should have been. So, yeah, the Hawks got three out of a possible six points on the week, which... Uh, um, is probably uh, more than they should have. Uh, Delia and Ward played pretty well, and uh, yeah, I think that's that probably covers the the action pretty well in those games. Uh, did you have any thoughts you wanted to add? Well, yeah, and like you were saying with the power play, like uh, they showed the stat. I think during the Penguins game, but they were up to twenty fifth in the league, and they had been at thirty. So I mean, that's not like great, but it is a huge bounce for them and. You wonder if it's just like, you know, law of averages, like they were going to eventually score in the power play somewhat, but, or do you right. think that Carlton has done something, tweak something? Cause he has kind of, they switched to this one, three, one power play. So do you think it's finally starting to set in? Yeah, I think, uh, Colleton has made a couple of, um, positive changes. Uh, one, uh, the most important is, uh, going with only one defenseman. Uh, on the fir- on the first power play unit, and that first defenseman being or that only defenseman being Eric Gustafson, uh, Quenville had uh, almost always uh, deferred to either Keith or Seabrook in that regard, and a lot of times had both of them out there on the first power play unit. And frankly, both of those guys are garbage at the power play at this point in time in their careers. Uh, Seabrook can still shoot the puck, but he's a terrible passer and moves the puck very slowly. Uh, Keith, uh, he actually still passes pretty decently, but his 
main issue that I always have uh, had a lot of problems with is the amount of time he wastes when the puck exits the zone. Uh, he really does. He, he he takes up way too much time to try and get the puck back in the zone. So I think that's a, a big positive uh, change that Colleton has made. And then um, a change that isn't necessarily Colleton related, uh, but Dylan Strom um, being added to that unit has given them a different element down low. Uh, he's kind of taken over for Anisimov as the main net front presence. But uh, unlike Anisimov, who pretty much only operated in front of the net and just kind of set screens while uh, either uh, um, Seabrook or Keith would pound out, uh, you know, a shot from the point, uh, Strom is more willing to move out and accept passes below the goal line and then uh, find uh, passing lanes back out into the slot for either Taves or, or Kane or Debrinkit. And I think it's really helped the puck movement quite a bit. And I think it's just, it's allowed the, the power play to um, open up and also be a little more fluid. So those are the main reasons why I think it's improved. Yeah. Um, and I do also, think it's probably, yeah, yeah also but, I was going to add too that. Yeah. Gustafson is just very good. He's very good at holding the zone and, you know, getting those passes, and he's much better, much smoother handling the puck. Obviously, defense, maybe he's not great, but he's really helped the power play. Yeah, he still definitely has his issues on on five-on-five, and, I mean, he's been playing uh, next to Keith while Yoki Haru's been at the World Juniors, and I I don't think that that – it's translated into a lot of assists and a couple of goals for him during that time, but that's not going to be his best deployment at this point. He still makes way too many mistakes in the defensive zone. Um, now that Yoki Haru's back, I ex- or I hope, um, I'm not actually sure that I expect it to happen, but uh, I, at least not right away, but um, I would like to see Yoki Haru get put back with Keith and then, uh, at least keep the Dahlstrom and Murphy pairing together for the time being. And then uh, my guess is Gustafson will uh, drop back with Seabrook uh, on the third pairing uh, for uh, uh, five on five. And then those two can kind of help out on special teams with Gustafson getting some extra power play time and Seabrook getting a little bit of penalty killing time. So, Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And, you know, yeah. one more thing with um. Keith too that I've always noticed is he's not very good at getting shots to the net either. Which is not no, no. Power play. Right. Yeah. Uh, a few years back, he was uh, a little better at doing it because uh, he, he was moving a little better and would kind of uh, move along the blue line and, and find some openings, but uh, he's not quite as dynamic of a skater as he used to be. And his shot has also fallen off. Uh, you know, he was never a great shooter, but, um, you know, I, famously he had no goals last year until like the 80th game of the season or something like that. And then, you know, this year he went the first half of the year without scoring uh, until the Pittsburgh game here this weekend. So, yeah. So it's something we kind of, you kind of touched on there before, but as time goes on, I'm starting to like uh, Dylan Strom more and more starting to think, you know what, this is working out pretty good so far. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that the Hawks have found the right compliment for him and Kane. And I'm not completely convinced that him and Kane are a long-term solution, but at least for the time being, those two at least think the game uh, at a high enough level, uh, even if, you know, Kane is able to execute it a little bit more uh, consistently thanks to his skating ability. That's greater than Strom's, but uh, yeah, we've definitely seen plenty of positives from Strom. Um, you know, you still see a lot of times in the defensive zone, uh, Anisimov is actually uh, taking um, the center responsibilities in the defensive zone. Um, him and Strom kind of, they, they interchange a lot uh, in the defensive zone. And so I, I think in that regard, having Anisimov on that line has kind of helped ease the burden a little bit for him, but um, long-term that that's, that's not uh, a valid solution just because Anisimov just, he, he, he can't keep up with those two guys in the, uh, in the offensive zone. He's not burying enough chances that those guys would generate. So yeah, you're just hoping that, that as time goes on, Strom gets more comfortable on the defensive end, which, right. I mean, he's still young, so hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still only 21. So yeah, there's still plenty of time for that. And this is the perfect year to kind of let him ease into that. Cause obviously the Hawks aren't really playing for anything. So you can kind of let him sink or swim a little bit. Yeah, and of course um, the news today, which is just a bummer because I still, I still like uh, Nick Schmaltz, but he uh, tore his ACL and he's out for the year. It's just like, yeah, bad luck just keeps following poor Nick. Yeah, that was, that was tough to see. Um, it, uh, you know, and I kind of feel bad for the Coyotes too, even though that, that trade didn't jumpstart them quite the way they hoped. Uh, Schmaltz was playing well for them, but uh, they were still kind of falling behind in the standings. But now that Schmaltz is out, I, I think that probably buries whatever uh, playoff chances they still harbored. So, yeah, that, that's a tough break for everybody involved there. Yeah. And, of course, now I guess, uh, as you were mentioning, Yoki Haru, Yoki Haru is back now. He should mm-hmm. play the next game. Um, yep. And you'd think Forsling back to AHL, you would assume, is the move? <sighs> I, I I would have to think so. Dahlstrom has definitely played uh, better than Forsling at this point. Um, and they're not going to scratch Seabrook. Um, so th- those were really, th- you know, those are kind of your two bottom defensemen at this point. Uh, so if those guys are going to be in the lineup every day, it doesn't, it doesn't do you any good to scratch Gus or, or to scratch Forsling. You, you want him playing. So it's yeah. better to have him getting top pairing minutes in Rockford. And the writing's right. Writing's basically on the wall because uh, Davidson, who we thought would be waived, uh, played the last two games for the Blackhawks. So pretty clear sign that, you know, Gustafson or uh, Forsling's not playing and Davidson's playing. Like he's just oh, holding uh, the place for, Fordling's been injured. He got oh, hurt in the Winter Classic. He got hurt in the Winter Classic. So well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I yeah. guess Davidson's going to be gone. Uh, actually, I'm at this point. I'm uh, I'm expecting them to keep Davidson around as the seventh defenseman for a little while. Um, because he's, he's, he's a guy that they, yeah, because he's a guy that they can scratch. Yeah, he's a he's uh, making the league minimum. They don't have any problem with scratching him and keeping him in the 
press box for 20 straight games if everybody else stays healthy. Um, and they can probably send Forsling down and let him play top pairing minutes. And then, yeah. So. And do you think uh, Kunitz being in the lineup the last couple of days is probably a move to try to get him traded for something? It's possible. Um, I mean, they certainly inserted him in Pittsburgh uh, because of his past connection there. Um, he got a nice standing ovation from the crowd there. And um, and then the Hawks ended up winning that game. So just kind of, you know, coach's general move is to not change the lineup uh, after a win. So Kunitz got back in there uh, on Monday night. But, uh, yeah, uh, I do think he'll play a little bit more. Um with those couple of guys getting sent down to the AHL, but um, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to play Kunitz significantly over Hayden, even though I'm not a Hayden fan. I I really don't think Hayden's going to end up being any kind of answer, but I mean, we know Chris Kunitz isn't. So Um, yeah, I mean, you, you might see him a little bit prior to the trade deadline, maybe to try and generate some interest, but um, if he's not traded uh, down the stretch, I would think that they would start favoring Hayden more and more or bring somebody else up back up from uh, Rockford. All right. So we'll do a little bit of Blackhawks history for this week because I, I like this and there's always plenty of material to talk about. Uh, just one quick thing before we hop into that. Okay. Uh, it was very cool. Um, you know, we obviously mentioned Yoki Haru had made it back from the world oh, juniors, right. it, it is worth that's noting that Finland won, uh, in large part, uh, thanks to Yoki Haru playing on their top pairing. Uh, their coach was very complimentary of his play. Um, so yeah, that, that situation could not have worked out better for the Hawks. Uh, obviously letting, you know, releasing him from uh, his NHL obligations and letting him go over there for a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, uh, that, that worked out great. So congrats to Henry on his gold medal. And, of course, uh, whenever they have the World Cup of Hockey again, Finland's team is going to be a monster. So It is. They, uh, they don't have a, you know, a lot of depth, but you only need 20 guys, and uh, they're going to be able to, to roster, you know, field a pretty good 20-man roster. So. Yeah. All right. So now we'll move on to a little Blackhawks history segment. And I thought we've gone through the dark ages, so I'm going to pick a specific – moment in Blackhawks history that I guess you could say is probably one of the most important moments of the last uh, 10 years. Uh, Game five of the 2010 playoffs against the uh, Nashville Predators. Mm, mm, mm. Massive turning point. I believe it was on a Saturday afternoon, if I remember right. That sounds right. And of course, um, the series is tied at 2-2. Nashville being scrappy as they usually are. And the uh, Blackhawks fall behind. And then Marion Hosa commits a pretty brutal check from behind that was a five-minute major. Yep. And the Blackhawks are down by goal, down down in a five-minute major, and desperately needing the score to um, send the game to overtime. And then we all remember what happened, but I'll ask you your memories about that. Sure, sure. Uh, the uh, Predators were pretty much doing any everything that they needed to do on that power play. They were keeping the puck away from the Blackhawks, um, which is all they wanted to do. Um, you, you, you didn't want to give the Hawks any 
opportunities to kind of break out the opposite way. So no risky passes, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, gosh, I want to say, was it a minute left? I can't, I can't right. remember the, yeah, yeah it was, a, you know, they, they had done it right for four minutes. And then all of a sudden Martin Erak gets the puck behind the net and tries to do like a bank pass mm-hmm. out in front of the net and turns the puck over. It goes back the opposite way. The Hawks score a goal, mm-hmm. tie it up to send it to overtime. Yes. And, and then, of course, once we get to overtime, uh, who 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 ends it for the Hawks? Marion Hosa, of course, out That's of the penalty right. box. That is right. Makes up for his stupid play and uh, goes from the goat to the hero in very short order. And that whole the whole thing with that series is just amazing because, you know, Obviously, it had been a while since they'd been in, like, you know, the year before they'd made the Western Conference Finals. But before that, it had been a long, dark time before the Blackhawks. But back when we were kids, obviously, whenever the Blackhawks were in that situation, they would have come up short in the playoffs. And it was just one of those things you thought, okay, so they're going to get knocked out by Nashville in the first round. This is great. They're going to be down three games to two, going back to Nashville. I don't like their chances. And, yeah, this is, like, the most – that penalty was just like you're like it's over. Yeah, that was uh, that was really kind of the point where you you were kind of sure that this team was different, that it was actually going to be possible. Um, so yeah, that was that was a huge, huge, huge uh, turning point in the, the franchise's history. And of course, the next game, I was thinking, well, you know, is this really a turning point? And then. Uh, Brent Seabrook shot a puck off the glass from outside the blue line. It went off the glass and into an empty net to start game six. And you're thinking, yeah, this is working out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was a really great series. Natural. Um, that was actually probably the, the, the toughest series the Hawks faced in that playoffs. Um, you know, uh, obviously in the finals, uh, Philadelphia was a pretty good team, but, um, you know, they were starting Michael Layton in that. Um, yeah, the goalies were a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, uh, well, and uh, it was Layton and uh, Boucher, was it? Mm-hmm. I say it was, yeah, yeah. So they were pretty much fielding AHL caliber goalies at that point. Well, two former Blackhawks who, neither one right. of which were that good when they were in the Blackhawks. So. Right, yeah. I mean, they were good soldiers and they could get hot, but they were not... Um, yeah, that's not who you want starting in a cup final. Yeah, exactly. But it all worked out for the Blackhawks. And, it did. And, of course, I guess if you're a Nashville fan, they got their revenge uh, about seven years later. Yeah, that was, a, that was a butt kicking. Yep. I mean, I guess in the end, they actually probably, uh, they probably the Blackhawks probably karmically deserved it for getting away with it those series that they'd had against him earlier, like, yeah. And then obviously we had the Scott Darling series against exactly. them. Too. Yeah. To another one where it looked like there's no way that the, that the Blackhawks are going to pull this out. And they did. And then, yeah, but that changed the last series. So that's right. Yeah. And that was, yeah. Nashville kind of, uh, provided the turning point for the, uh, uh, the beginning of the run. And then they're the ones that slammed the door on the Hawks at the end, I guess you could say. Yep, bookend action on it. Well, anyway, I'll get to our little preview for the week upcoming. 
Um, Black Ox play three games this upcoming week. And they've got a pretty big break after. They play tomorrow because we're recording this on Tuesday. They uh, play Wednesday night at home against Nashville at 7 o'clock Central Time. It's on NBC Sports, so if you guys don't get it on local or whatever, it's on national TV this week. Um, Then they're off until Saturday when they host the Vegas Golden Knights at 7.30. And obviously... Blackhawks have seen a fair amount of the Knights, and they've definitely seen it up in Nashville. And then Monday, they head out on the road to New Jersey to play the Devils at 6 p.m. Central Time. And, you know, I honestly don't know much about the Devils this year. I don't think they're very good. No, they they had made the playoffs last year, but they've really... uh, um struggled this year uh been kind of a disappointment but uh there's they can still be a dangerous team i mean you still got hall you still got um oh gosh i'm drawing a blank on his name but yeah i mean they've still got a few guys they're scoring goals but i think they're giving up a lot uh their their goaltending has really fallen off the last couple of years with uh cory schneider there yeah and of course um blackhawk has seen a lot of nashville lately the first game, they kind of got blitzed by the Predators, but they played them better late, the more recent games. So that's a game they could win. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Vegas. And as long as, long as Delhi is playing as well as he has been, they, they're going to be in any game. Yeah, that's true. He's kind of held it in there. You kind of expect, I would think, probably one Cam Ward game. That's what they've been kind of doing. So I don't know what game he'll play, but... Yeah, they'll they'll probably do, you know, a, a, a two to one split between those guys for quite a while here. Um, but so yeah, they'll, um, they'll probably go with Cam Ward on the NBC SN game because for some reason they keep playing him on the nationally televised games. I'm not sure why. I guess I haven't noticed that because I don't I don't actually watch them on televisions. So. <laughs> um, I just stream them so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, the, the Hawks, uh, they're, they're going to be playing tough competition, but their, um, their workload of games is actually going to start lessening up here. Uh, the Hawks have played, uh, more games than just about any team, uh, in the league. Uh, I, I want to say, uh, like St. Louis is like two points behind them in the standings, but the Hawks have played five more games than them. So uh, the rest of the league is going to have to start catching up a little bit in terms of games played. Yeah. So um, I guess that's all we really have for this week. Uh, mm-hmm. It was um, Blackhawks playing better than they have, you know, past month they've been playing pretty good. They're still not a great team, but at least they're competitive in all these games, which is yeah nice to see. Goaltending and special teams have been covering up for the other issues, but hey, that you know that's going to happen, and you you take the points when you can get them. That's right. Well, of course, as always, um, I'm sth85 on Twitter, and Michael MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and you can um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look up the Emergency Goalies; it'll come up. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>